Good morning. Want to welcome everyone to worship. Great to have you. Did anybody get the mystery prelude? Uh, Susan Dickey sponsored it in tribute to the hostages being held. Did anybody get it? Bring him home. Very good. Also, Christmas Eve, we have three services. We have one at 10 a.m. And we have uh, breakfast with Santa afterwards. You don't have to have kids to come to breakfast. It's fun to watch the children. Then we have a four and eight o'clock. Also, Angel Tree uh, gifts need to be in by December 10th. And if you want to help sort and wrap, you can do that December 11th. Next Sunday, one of the favorite services of people, uh, because there's no sermon, of course, it's Lessons and Carols. And uh, that's at 9 and 10.30 service. Also at the 10.30, we're going to have a little children's pageant thrown in there. And still not too late, if you want your child to participate, uh, talk to Nicole or Laura in the town square after church. Also, Advent by Candlelight is Tuesday at 6, Christmas Whispers, December 12th. Youth group tonight, they're decorating the youth room. And there's a young adult uh, Christmas party December 16th at Michael Benarian's house. Uh, he always has a great party. Pathways, our grief recovery group, is meeting December 6th at 1 p.m. in the town square. Don't forget the Advent devotional uh, that Marilyn Stargard wrote. Uh, you can get it on our website or pick a hard copy up, and there's some as you exit the town square. And every month we put in something uh, that you probably don't know about church. Uh, did you know column? And this is the beginning of the month. Did you know to keep the lights on at Redeemer for a year is over $40,000 a year? So if you're leaving a room and you're done, turn off the lights, please. And we welcome the Stein clan for a baptism, a wonderful celebration. So welcome to all our guests. We rise for opening hymn.
make our beginning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Bethlehem candle urges us to the place where the promised one was born. Let us go straight to Bethlehem. It reminds us of the promise which he brought with him to that place. The light of this candle acknowledges the purpose of his advent. Because of his coming, we can greet him in Bethlehem and can join with the heavenly host in proclaiming. and invite the baptismal group forward. Our Lord commanded baptism, saying to his disciples in the last chapter of Matthew, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. The holy apostles of the Lord have written, the promise is for you and your children and baptism now saves you. Receive the sign of the cross upon your forehead and upon your heart, marking you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. Now hear how our Lord Jesus Christ has opened the kingdom of God to little children. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him bless them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Now to the sponsors, it is your task as sponsors to confess with the whole church the faith in our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in whose name this child is to be baptized. After this child has been baptized, you are at all times to remember him in your prayers, put him in mind of his baptism, and as much as in you lies, give your counsel and aid, especially if they should lose his parents, that he be brought up in the true knowledge and worship of God, and be taught the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, and that, he, and that as he grows in years, you place in his hands the Holy Scriptures, bring him to the service of God's house, and provide for him 
further instruction in Christian faith, abiding in his baptismal grace and in the communion with the church, he may grow up to lead a godly life to the praise and honor of Jesus Christ. This then you intendly glad and willing do, if so say yes. Because this child cannot answer for himself, we shall all together with sponsors and parents faithfully speak on his behalf in the testimony of the forgiveness of sin and the birth of life and faith which God our Father bestows in and through baptism. And so I ask everyone present, do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? If so, then say, I do renounce them. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? If so, then say, yes, I believe in God the Father. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son? If so, then say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit who calls and sanctifies and makes the church holy? If so, then say, yes, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Who brings this child to be baptized? How is this child named? Jack and Uncle Scott. Jack Michael Stein, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you new birth of water and the Spirit, has forgiven you all your sins, strengthened you with his grace unto life everlasting, Jack. On behalf of Jack, receive this lit candle, practice of the third century church to give the newly baptized the lit candle as a constant reminder that we are confident faith burns within Jack's heart. I've seen his father throw up too. Through baptism, God has added Jack to his own people to declare the wonderful deeds of our Savior who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And on behalf of our Redeemer, we welcome you into the Lord's family, a fellow member of the body of Christ, a child of the same Heavenly Father to work with us in his kingdom. And you, Jack, the Lord bless you in all your ways from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. We welcome Jack. I invite the children up for the children's message. Well, good morning. Oh, that's pretty good, pretty good. We're doing something a little bit different today. We are going to bless these hats and these scarves. We have, we have a new ministry here called Chicks with Sticks, and there's 21 ladies, and they knitted over 145 hats and scarves to be given to the needy in Detroit. And I was so inspired, I decided to knit my own scarf. It was a lot harder than it looked, but what do you think? Does it sort of work? I don't know, you know? So it was very challenging. But we wanted to thank these ladies, and Pastor Randy reminded me of a wonderful story in the Bible in Acts about a woman named 
Tabitha, who lived in a city called Joppa, and she did all kinds of good works for the needy. But then she died. And when Peter heard about this, he went to the city, and in Acts 9.40, Peter said, Tabitha, arise! And she opened her eyes and sat up. So today, you're going to help me bless these hats and scarves. Everybody get on their feet. Thank you. This is the important part. Put your hands up. And we say, today we gather to bless these hats and scarves. Father, the one who clothes us, all we ask you in your wisdom to bless these hats and scarves, protect and nurture all who wear them. We give thanks for the ladies whose time and talents made these garments and for the volunteers who will distribute them. Please watch over them. Amen. So I want to thank you all for coming up. They're going to be in the lower level. Lower level, everybody. Thanks a lot. Our Old Testament lesson for today is taken from Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. Here ends our Old Testament lesson. Our epistle is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here ends the epistle lesson. gospel for today is taken from the gospel of Matthew chapter 1 beginning with the 18th verse. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Here ends the gospel lesson. Please be seated for the sermon
Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, welcome to the first day of Advent. Now, I'm not throwing Pastor Randy under the bus. He gave me an option. I could either preach today or on the 17th. Really didn't want to do it on the 17th. So I only had five days to put this sermon together. But again, that was my choice. He was adamant that I was going to throw him under the bus. So I want to be clear, I'm not. So, anyway, it was a bit short notice, but it is the first Sunday in Advent, so the topic is quite manageable. Um, what is Advent? You know, we have Advent by candlelight. We have Advent calendars. In fact, I remember as a kid, we used to get these calendars that had chocolates in them. So you'd poke a hole in the door on the day, and there would be a piece of chocolate in there. Well, my brother and I thought we were really smart, so occasionally we would jump ahead three or four days, poke a hole in that day too, take the chocolate and eat it, and then kind of close the door back up. And once we actually got the, oh my gosh, this must be defective. There was no chocolate in there. <laughs> I don't think my mom bought it. I think she was smarter than I think we were. But it was not the best plan. But do we really understand what Advent is? Advent is the beginning of the church's liturgical year. Hence, last week we talked about the end of times, we are basically starting a new church year today for Advent. Advent comes from the Latin term advenira, or also adventius, which means to come to. Advent is a time for us to prepare our hearts and our minds and focus on the Lord's birth. It's much like when, during Lent, we focus on the Lord's journey to the cross. Today we focus on the Lord's birth. Now, when I ran my sermon past Pastor Randy last week, he's like, what are you doing? You're taking all my Christmas Eve material. And I'm like, of course I'm taking all your Christmas Eve material. Nobody's going to remember what I said four weeks from now anyway, so don't, <laughs> don't worry about it, including me. But we heard in our Old Testament reading the very famous Isaiah prophecy. As you know, Isaiah is a major prophet. That's actually for him, in case he didn't know. But anyway, we heard, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, the translation we heard was an NIV, New International Standard Version. But I want you to hear what the ISV, which is uh, International Standard Version, says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Watch. The young lady is conceiving a child and will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. Did you hear that? A young lady. Now today, for us, a young lady and a virgin are two very different things. And I have to tell you, there are a whole bunch of non-Christian biblical scholars, which I'm not quite sure how you can be a non-Christian biblical scholars, who love to debate that. Well, it wasn't a virgin. They said non, you know, unmarried, a young woman. And they go back and forth and back and forth. I'm going to give them a little leeway here because if you look up the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, the word is Alma, A-L-M-A-H. And that does translate to a young woman or an unmarried maiden. So you might think, oh, they got a point there. But unlike today, when you went back to the time of Isaiah, everyone understood a young woman or unmarried maiden was a virgin. That was just a given. 
They understood that. And when you go and look at the New Testament, all the translations I looked at use the word virgin, including the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. They all used virgin, so clearly at the time of Jesus, everybody knew what that meant. So we can let the scholars debate all they want, but it's true, it was a virgin. Now this brings up an interesting point. You've probably heard it said, the Bible is written for you and not to you. And this is a great example. If the Bible had been written to us, the language they used would be unconfusing. We would know exactly what they meant. But it's actually written for us. And a, a, a language changes. And we know words that we used 20 or 30 years ago have completely different meanings today. But a great example of how the Bible's written for us is social media. Well, there's nothing in scripture about social media. They didn't know about Facebook or Twitter or is it X or Y or Z or whatever they call it now. But scripture does teach us how to use social media. It doesn't teach us to use it as gossip or slander or to harass. It teaches us to encourage and to build up and support each other. And we see that in Psalms 41:12. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Psalm, Psalms 51, restore me to the joy of your salvation, uphold me with a willing spirit. And John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And that's the whole point. You've got a problem in your life, you can turn to scripture. And while the scripture may not have been written to you, it certainly was written, written for you. So there's some other prophecies in the Old Testament about the birth of Christ. We hear in Micah 5, 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among clans of Judea, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And all the way into Genesis, we hear in Genesis 17, then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Now what I find interesting during this research was none of these readings were the assigned readings for the pericope. Uh, in fact, the reading for this week was from Isaiah, but it was chapter 64 and it said, but now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember, not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. Well, what does that have to do with Advent? I've got to tell you, I wasn't really sure, and the seven commentaries I looked at didn't know either. So there's an old saying, let Scripture interpret Scripture, so I'm going to let that dog lie there. Now, our epistle lesson that we heard did apply, and we're going to hear about that shortly. The assigned gospel lessons for this week, it was Mark 11 or Mark 13. Well, Mark 11 is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Seems like we should be reading that on Palm Sunday and not during Advent. But I suppose you could maybe take a reading like that and say the birth of Christ is his first triumphant entry, and then Palm Sunday is his second Nobody else made that analogy, so I want to be careful. I don't want to get too far out on a limb here. I'm still new to the pastoring role. Uh, Mark 13 was titled, The Coming of the Son of Man. 
And that's the gospel I read last week. If you remember, I think I was standing up there for about 18 minutes reading that very long gospel lesson about Jesus' second coming. So there you might be able to make a connection. His first coming is his birth. His second coming is after the, uh, after, uh, for eternal salvation. So again, I don't, didn't see anyone who tried to make that, so I want to be very careful about that. But we did hear last week from Mark 13, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Now, our gospel lesson that you heard today certainly did apply. It was titled, The Birth of Jesus Christ, and that's what we're getting ready to celebrate. And in verse 23 of Matthew, we heard, See, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We also hear the story in Luke chapter 1, the birth of Jesus. In verse 27, it says, To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, when I looked at the other Gospels, the story of Jesus is not recorded in Mark. And once again, you get those non-Christian Bible scholars that, ooh, it's not recorded in Mark. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I saw a guy, a scholar, who said this. Silence doesn't mean denial. And I thought that was an excellent response to those naysayers. John, John's a little different. He has a way to tell the story a little more subtle. And we hear in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on to say, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt with us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, much more subtle than uh, Matthew, but still, the story of Jesus Christ. The Son of God became the Son of Man, and that the sons of men through him might become the sons of God. And the next thing to finding him as the Lamb of God is to find another and introduce him, that one to him. Now, why is this all so important? Hopefully, we all know why. The birth of Christ leads to his death and resurrection. It's the start of the process. He saved us from our sin and eternal death. And this is something we cannot do ourselves. We must have Christ because the law does not save. I think too often we forget this. And to help us remember, I like to say, one, Jesus is Lord. And two, he loves you and he loves me. And those are two sayings I picked up while at seminary, and I thought they were great. I think those are simple, easy reminders. Jesus is Lord, and he loves you. Now, we have to figure out how we work into his plan. Notice how I, what I said there. How do we fit into Jesus' plan? Because too often, I think we're trying to fit Jesus into our plan. We're trying to squeeze him into our plan. You know, and quite frankly, what happens? We squeeze them right out of our plan. We get busy with decorating, especially this time of year, and Christmas cards, and 
The next thing you know, Jesus is nowhere to be found. And that is a mistake. We have to remember we fit into his plans. Now, I mentioned our epistle lesson, and I think it's a good one because it sums it up nicely. It's Thanksgiving. And it said, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. You know, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, and I think we should keep that feeling going, giving thanks to God for the gift of the birth of Jesus Christ. And not just on Sundays. Again, at this time of the year, it's easy to lose sight of it with everything going on, getting the house decorated and the shopping, etc., etc. It can be overwhelming. Don't let it. As we start this Advent season, I'm going to ask you to slow down. Take some time. Think to yourself, Jesus is Lord and he loves me. You know, remember what Advent is all about. It's preparing for the birth of Jesus Christ and how that wonderful, undeserving gift and action of God the Father impacts us all now and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise to sing the offertory. There's a song in the air, there's a star in the sky.
rise for the doxology. Most gracious Father, as we begin a new church year, we're reminded of your son's first advent, who came in silence, the child born so he could die for us, in his resurrection giving us life in eternity. He came the first time in silence, his second advent will not be the same, for every eye will see and every ear will hear. As we prepare our minds and hearts once again to look into the manger, Remind us to prepare also for his second advent. We pray for those grieving the loss of loved ones. Remind them of the Christmas joy of what Christ has brought, not death, but life. The family and friends of Jerry Williams, the family and friends of Dan Hildebrandt, the family and friends of Izzy Sherman, the family and friends of Deborah Knapp, the family and friends of Newt, San Newt Sanchez, and the family and friends of Susie Perlstein. And those facing health concerns, Carl Bushakovich, Jeff Walsh, Kelly, Joe Legault, Kay, Linda Christensen, Ron Gaines, Amber, John Wardjewin, Scott Parrish, Rick and Carol Warnicky, Richard Bergstrom, Brian Leahy and Tony Cornett. And those in hospice, remind them of the joy that awaits your saints, Linda Boyce and Etta Unruh. And we give thanks for the baptism of Jack Michael this day. We also, with the sanctuary, sanctuary altar flowers, were given by Tom and Brenda Boyce in loving memory of their son, John, and by the Carter Claus family in loving memory of Sarah. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you humbly acknowledge and heartily lament your sins? If so, then say, I do. Do you believe that God, your merciful Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Savior, forgives you all your sins? If so, then say, I do believe. I do believe. Be it unto you according to your faith, and I, by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, upon this your confession, assure you of your forgiveness in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
our Lord Jesus Christ, and on what night which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as ye drink it, the remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
We rise. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant to you his peace. Mm -hmm.